Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. This is Saul Weinreb, the host of the podcast, and it is an honor to continue our study of the second book of Shmuel, that's Shmuel Bet, Samuel 2. <coughs> we are about to begin chapter 5, um, a very momentous chapter in the history of the Jewish people. Um, we had just finished in chapter 4 with the... Um, assassination of, <coughs> of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, who was continuing uh, his kingdom, his rule over the uh, ten tribes, the northern tribes, um, and had an opposing kingdom to David's. We had learned how his kingdom was deteriorating, and it ended in complete um, uh, mutiny where uh, two people uh, assassinated Ishbosheth. They came to David with his head thinking that they had done some great deed, and David would really, uh, you know, be proud of them and love them and promote them for what they did. But really, David was very upset because this is not the way he wanted to establish his monarchy. He wanted to establish his monarchy in a peaceful way, with a peaceful transfer of power, as we would call it now in modern times. But uh, this was not to be. Uh, so it ended in an assassination. So David had the, um, had the men who were guilty of the assassination executed, and uh, and he and he thus demonstrated to all the people, both of the people of Judea, over whom David was the king, the people of Judah, over whom he was the king, and the people of Benjamin and the other tribes. Um, uh, he demonstrated that this is not the way he was. He was different. He was. He wanted to rule in peace. He wanted to rule in unity, not through violence and disunity. And that's important to understand the context of what's about to happen in chapter 5, verse 1, Vayavo kol shivtei Israel. after this event happened. And David showed his character, showed who he was, and what kind of a kingdom he wanted to lead. All of the tribes of Israel, every single one, came or sent representatives to David in Hebron, where he was uh, at the time, uh, had his kingdom set. His capital was in the city of Hebron. And they said as follows, Behold, we are of, are, we are of one, uh, equivalent to saying, uh, of one flesh and blood with you. Uh, that would be what, the way we would say it in English. We are of one body and one, and one flesh with you. In other words, we're all one family, we're all related, we're kin, uh, and therefore, Gamet Mol, and not only that, but we know from the years back in the past, Gamet Mol, Gam Shom, in, in the past, when Saul was the king over all of Israel, you had already demonstrated your leadership qualities. So number one, we're all one and we should be unified together and you are one of us. Number two, um, the it kind of gives an idea to the hint that some might have been claiming that David wasn't fully an Israelite because he had, if you recall, an ancestor who was Ruth, a, Mo, a Moabite, uh, but they're saying here they wanted to declare, no, you're one of us. You are one of the Israelites. And also, you have demonstrated your leadership qualities. You are the ones who led us into battle and brought us back from the battlefield victorious. And it was God that said about you, in other words, so, so far two things. Number one, you're one of us and we're all together. We should be united. Number two... Um, you have demonstrated leadership qualities, you're a warrior, you led us. And number three, God has said about you that, that you are the one who should shepherd 
my nation Israel. And you are going to be, you should be the one that is appointed as the ruler over Israel. So you also have God on your side. And God, of course, as spoken through the prophet Samuel, had made it public knowledge that everyone knew that David deserved to be king and not Saul's descendants. So after he had those three qualities, therefore all of the elders of Israel from representing all the tribes came to King Hebron to the king in Hebron. And the king David... Um, a, a built a covenant, an agreement, an arrangement with uh, in Hebron before God, whether that means there was an, an altar or a sacrifice or a, a, a worship of some sort of God, or just that they vowed before God to keep this oath that the tribes were committed, and David and they anointed David as king al Yisrael over the people of Israel. So now there is a king over united Israel. So he is the second king to rule over the United Kingdom. First was Saul. After Saul's death, uh, the kingdom split like we just saw. And now when Saul's son was assassinated, the people came under David. And now this, this is the beginning of the monarchy which was destined to rule over Israel through the entire first temple period, to be leaders over Israel in the time in between the first and second temple period, to to be the leaders, and as we know, Zerubbabel was um, was a descendant of David who who led the Jewish people in the beginning of the second temple period. Then during the second temple period, there was uh, a time uh, broken where it was not led by the descendants of David. Uh, however, after the second temple period, it was the descendants of David who continued to lead throughout the period of the Tom, Tom, uh, Mishnaic times and Talmudic times. Um, so, and, and as we have seen before, that this is the house, um, the uh, monarchy that is destined to lead the people of Israel and indeed the entire world when the ultimate redemption takes place. So this is the foundation. This is a very momentous time in history. David has just been anointed king and accepted by all of the tribes united. So then there's a little thing here which we find throughout Tanakh, a similar thing that kind of introduces a very brief synopsis of David's uh, monarchy. And then it goes into the details. Ben Shloshim Shana David Bimalcho. David was 30 years old when he was anointed king, and he was the king for 40 years total. Um, this is obviously being written after the event, telling us in retrospect that he ruled for 40 years. Now we're going to read a lot about what happened during those 40 years. In Hebron he ruled over Yehuda for seven and a half years. Seven years and six months to be exact. And in Jerusalem he ruled for 33 years. I'll call Yisrael v'yehuda over the entire Israel and Yehuda. So it was about the time after the, um, that the people, the rest of the Israel accepted David as their king um, that David moved from Hebron to Jerusalem to Jerusalem. And we're about to learn a little bit about how that took place. This is a process we're going to see here, and it's going to come up later, the final process, how it happened. But um, here's the deal. Jerusalem at the time where is by, was under the 
occupation of the Jebusite tribe, one of the initial tribes that lived in 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 Israel, and one of the tribes that were uh, that the people of Israel were conquering the land from, but they apparently, for various reasons, were unsuccessful in in getting the Jebusites out of Jerusalem, and the Jebusites were holding on to Jerusalem. In, in, in strength, as we'll see in a moment. Verse 6, The king and his men went to Jerusalem. It's to the Yevusim who were settling the land. And he, meaning the Jebusite, meaning the, their leader, their representative, whoever it was that David talked to, he apparently wanted to engage in some sort of negotiation with them. Now let me make this clear, and I made this clear specifically on multiple occasions when we studied Joshua, and that is, is that uh, I, I, I went with uh, the um, opinion in, in the Rishonim and in, in the early, early rabbis and the Talmudic opinion that believes that we were commanded to conquer the land, but we were commanded to negotiate first, right? You first try a negotiated settlement, and if they refuse to negotiate and be subservient to the, the establishing uh, Jewish kingdom that only then and only then is war the path to be chosen and this is another place and it, we, saw, we saw it repeatedly over and over and over again when we studied Joshua and we see it here again David attempted to negotiate in, uh, in, in, in negotiations however their response was and the verse makes it very clear that this was their response Lo tavo heina, you shall not come here you will not rule over us Ki'im not only that, and this, the, this next verse is, this, it's hard to interpret, it's very difficult to translate, and I'm going to give two approaches, and I'll tell you the approach that I'm going to go with. Because um, even the, the uh, blind people and the lame people uh, could, could remove you from here if they tried. And, and they, they are saying, that David cannot come here. Now, one understanding of this blind and lame people is um, uh, an understanding that we find in Chazal and that Rashi reflects this idea that the Ivrim and Pischim is not referring to actual blind and lame people, but it's referring to uh, idols, idols that, you know, we see in, in, um, in uh, uh, you know, throughout the uh, Psalms, we see that, you know, how, you know, the idols, they, they have eyes but cannot see, so on, you know, and the ears that cannot hear, so they, they're, you know, legs that cannot walk. These are, is referring to the idols. In other words, our idols will protect us from you. That's one way of understanding it. Uh, another way of understanding it is, uh, is reflected in the Mitsudos, and it's a lot closer to uh, what how the verses read, even though it's not really clear, but but um, the and that is is that uh, In other words, that even we are so powerful and so strong that even the blind people and the lame people are are, are able to keep you away. That's how strong we are. So forget it. Don't even come here. And this will read better as we read through the, the following verses. Vayilko David, and David then, then went and captured eight Mitsudat Zion, the Mitsudat, the fortress of Zion, he ir David, which is the city of David. Um, 
this, which is a place that is adjacent to Jerusalem. Uh, possibly it is, is the area that we call today the city of David or um, Mount Zion, right? The Mount Zion, which is uh, adjacent to the city of Jerusalem, but had not yet conquered Jerusalem. But he did conquer this part, and that's where he stopped for the time being until later he'll capture Jerusalem. And so Vayomer David, Vayomer and David said on that day, that day, so he's now positioned adjacent to Jerusalem, he says that kol makik yivusi, that anyone who strikes down the Jebusites, right, v'yigabatzinar, and he, and this is an extremely difficult to understand what this means, but in modern uh, times we've come to a scholarly understanding through the help of archaeology of what this probably means, and I'll explain that in a minute. Vigabitinar literally means, and he reaches the pipe, or and he touches or attacks the pipe or through the pipe. Uh, that sinar generally is some sort of a, a, a channel or a pipe. Viet hapischim, viet and he strikes down these blind and lame people, sinu'e nefesh David, those who David hates, right? That. Um, uh, uh, so he's saying that uh, that 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 uh, that if you, in order to attack the Jebusites and get them out, the way to do that would be right. Uh, it, this is very difficult first to translate, so bear with me here. Kol meaning anyone who is going to be the one who strikes down the Jebusites, the way to do that would have to be by reaching through the pipe, and then to destroy the, these pischim v'etevim, these lame and uh, people. Al-Kain Yomru, this is why they say, and who this they is is unclear, but I'm going to go with the Mitsudos here. Therefore, they, meaning the occupants of Jerusalem, said, Iveru You blind and lame people don't come home. In other words, stay out and be ready to fight David when he comes. Because David said, I hate these people. And why did David hate them? Because they were mocking him by saying, even the blind and the lame will be able to protect and keep you out of here. Now, what's going on over here? This verse is it's difficult to translate. You know, I translated it the way that it reads and makes the most sense. And a lot of this is, is informed by modern uh, archaeology because um, we, we had uh, the, the commentaries throughout the medieval time period had a lot of difficulty translating this, and there's numerous, numerous attempts at trying to understand what it's talking about. But the most common interpretation now by modern scholars is that the reason why the Jebusites were so confident that they could hold back in the, David's uh, coming onslaught was because they had access to water in their city, and therefore, once they had access to water, as they hide behind their walls, they can, they can um, withstand any onslaught. They had the strength to do so. David would not be able to starve them out um, because they had access to water. This tsinar is a pipe through which the people living in the then city of Jerusalem would have had access to what we now call the Mehashilach, the Siloam Springs. And when one goes to the archaeological excavations in, um, in the city of David today, one will, can see what is, has been proposed might actually be this very uh, channel or tunnel uh, that goes up and down direction through which the people in the city of Jerusalem were able to access that water. Um, and therefore, and, and, and David realized and recognized that if you wanted to get into the city, 
you would have to attack through that channel because that channel brings you from the springs. If you can access the springs, you can access that channel and then you can get into the city. Um, and, and, and then if you, read, if you understand it that way, all of a sudden, this is an extremely difficult verse to read, all of a sudden it makes sense. David said that whoever is going to actually conquer the Yavus and the Jebusites, the only way that will happen is if he goes through the pipe. So David, so but we're not learning of this attack yet. We'll read about it happen, what happens later, the conquering of Jerusalem, but we'll get there shortly. In the meantime, David is now in this Mitsuda, David Mitsuda. He's in the stronghold, the fortress which he captured just next to the city of Jerusalem. David, and he called it the city of David. David And David built around that area from the Milo inward. Um, and Milo seems to be the area around the, the, the area that filled the space around the fortress that he had captured so he filled around it and strengthened it and forced it so that he, he basically demonstrated that he's serious about this and he's staying here and he's in here for the long haul. He's not going to be afraid of over of one day conquering Jerusalem. And from this position, David continued to get greater and stronger. And God, the Lord of hosts, was with him. In other words, it was clear that he was being successful. It was clear that God wanted him to be king. And from here, David began to establish his, his kingdom in what is now known and what then became known as Ir David, the city of David. I'm going to stop here. Uh, this is a good stopping point in the middle of this chapter, and we'll pick up from here as we learn more about David's uh, leadership and his kingdom when we finish chapter 5 in the next podcast. Thank you so much for studying this together with me. Looking forward to studying the remainder of, of, of the book of Samuel and the remainder of all of Tanakh indeed together with you. Have a wonderful day.